Welcome to another episode of Stand By Your Band. I'm Tom Takar, the Wolf of Dog Street, here for another week, uh, as always, with my co-host, uh, the Prince of Snarkness, Tommy McNamara. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm feeling patriotic today. Is that right? It I should election. have said the president-elect of snarkness. <laughs> uh, what's sad is this is going to come out after, <laughs> like, what? either people are going to be very bummed out or they're going to be very, uh, well, I guess on, who knows how people will feel. I don't know. But uh, it, this could go either way. But nonetheless, <coughs> that's where we're at. Well, our guest is Ian Amerson. Uh, yeah, this Ian. is definitely a, Ian, who a you time capsule. For? What? Then who are you voting for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm voting for Tommy McNamara all the way down the ticket. Um, I, I think I said Tommy McNamara. Is, uh, how do you how do you solve a problem like Tommy McNamara? Okay, thank you, folks. Uh, <laughs> I have a uh, wow. Talk about dodging a very easy question. <laughs> Ian, I've got an even tougher question for you. Who mm-hmm. is Tommy? <laughs> Do we have time to tell that story briefly? I think it's pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not the, a long story. <laughs> uh, Tom was gonna move Tom in. Tom was with born. Tommy, the, <laughs> allegedly born. Um, the like we we were doing a comedy festival, and ca- I cannot say I can't I can't stress enough how just kind of like burnt out our brains were at that mm-hmm. point we had been yep. on for a week straight incredibly yeah, we stressed yep. <laughs> it was wild and uh just totally brain fried and then tom was getting ready to move in with tommy the next day yeah. and i made some reference to like oh yeah you'll be able to like hang with tommy and we had just spent like a week of meeting probably probably like 200 people yeah, of like oh this is your name this is this person and so he just like <laughs> he looked at me just like who's tommy <laughs> and it we both felt like we were i thought i had made tommy up he thought that he had forgotten who the president was like we both thought we were having strokes for different reasons i'm still not certain you didn't make tommy up and (laughs) well the crazy the crazy punchline also is that years later i named my album who's tommy in a totally unrelated (laughs) for a totally unrelated reason i did think tommy named it after that as like a shot at me When, yeah, when I I definitely when I saw it, I was like, "Why is he referencing an inside joke that he's barely a part?" Yeah, of? he's not even in it. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's named after him. He wasn't there. Um, before before we get too far in, there's something I have to play. If you if you're a fan of our Patreon, you've heard me play this clip before, but I, it's my favorite thing. We're talking about meat love today, and since it is. Uh, the presidential election. I have to play this clip. I don't know if you're aware of this, Ian, but Meatloaf was on Celebrity Apprentice. I don't know if you knew that. Boy, did I. <laughs> well, this this clip is uh, a lot of people think that Meatloaf is responsible for Trump running for office, and here's why. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's saying I should run for president. Let me ask you a question. Meatloaf, should I run for president? Absolutely. Now, you would definitely vote for him. I would vote for him. Okay, In fact, I'll, so. I'll help you with your campaign. What do you think, so? What do you think of that? <laughs> I mean, 
like, listen, five, five years ago, that clip was the most absurd thing in the world. It's all. It's only. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's only hard to find it funny because holy shit, he did it. Yes. Uh, but at the time, it was like everybody's saying I should run for president. Who's saying you should run for president? Meatloaf. First of all, like just the fact that he, the next words out of his mouth are an unspecified slab of beef. It's like it's like not even like talking about the way it's prepared. It's just the shape of the meat, mm-hmm. and and it's this is a man's name that he's like Meatloaf. Should I run for president? <laughs> And, and it's only crazy because then it happened. Well, and a lot of people, it's not really totally fair here because if you're if you're hearing the audio, if you look at the video, Donald Trump is looking at a meatloaf, and it, <laughs> he forgot that also meatloaf was on the show. So meatloaf meatloaf chimes in, and now oh, all of a man. sudden Trump's back is against the wall. He can't. He doesn't look stupid. Like he forgot that Meatloaf's there, so he has to go. Oh yeah, Meatloaf, the guy. That's who I meant in the first place. Would you vote for me? And what's it's got to be a real slap in the face to Meatloaf that he did not get taken up on his offer to help with the campaign. Yes. there were certainly vacancies yeah. at different points during these last four years. Uh, wow. Yeah, and you would think he would give. Meatloaf a try at some point. I mean, he seems, you know, why not trustworthy? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm assuming the answer is no. But did you guys read Meatloaf's autobiography in computer class in tenth grade? <laughs> I, uh, I don't. I can't say that I did. I think I was sick okay. that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, Ian, that is crazy. In computer that, class. Yeah, yeah. I I truly don't remember why I was in this computer lab. I just have a distinct re- memory of reading it when I should have been on the computer. Oh, so That's you, right. it wasn't part I of the curriculum. It, oh, it no, wasn't. Sorry, I did make it sound like the teacher assigned it. Now I see why you thought it was. Well, so crazy. it makes sense because some classes, like I had a U.S. history teacher who had us watch Speed in class one day. So it's Man. like it makes sense that he's like, "This happened. You got to know your history." Um, uh, but no, it's uh, it was just you casually reading Meatloaf's autobiography. Right. I, I Instead of choosing to go on the computer, I was like, I have a book <laughs> written by someone that you're, you're surprised is literate. <laughs> um, and to be fair, it wasn't as told to. So who really knows? Oh, man. Do you remember wow. any details uh, from that? Because I am fascinated by an as told to by Meatloaf. <laughs> Unfortunately, like... That's yeah. I was like, I, I I was sprinkling them through, but I wanted to double check in case you guys had read them and could help me. Uh, to be fair, I read this a long time ago, so I might have some of the details confused. But you don't forget Meatloaf bragging about winning a coke snorting contest with John Belushi. <laughs> oh, oh man. my god! You yeah, don't you forget, forget Meatloaf that. describing lighting himself on fire accidentally while getting married. <laughs> On his wedding day, oh, I think it was the the the, the priest or or whatever who, who was uh, up there with them caught on fire, had to roll like caught on fire bad enough that he had to roll on the ground. Oh my god! <laughs> Meatloaf has had over thirty concussions in his life. Well, he used to play in the that NFL, right? If I remember correctly, I, I do know, say... but he did get hit in the head with a shot put. <laughs> I mean that explains a lot of what happened next. I think because... he, truly, 
I think we can't be upset uh, with a man or question the decisions of a man who has been hit in the head with a shot, a moving <laughs> shot, a shot put on the go. This is definitely one of those autobiographies where you have to take everything with a grain of salt, considering he tries to break the JFK case in it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. But, <laughs> what does he think? Do you remember? Yeah, he thinks he he thinks uh he he said something like uh, oh this everybody says like the CIA wasn't there that day, but I walked into a hotel in Houston and the CIA pulled up. Whoa. He was and there. I was like he was in Houston, he says, and he was like at some hotel nearby. He wasn't like watching the parade, but all of a sudden he like he he's he, he he said that he saw the CIA like run out of a building How does he into know the they car. Were the CIA? Do they have these fucking... are great questions, Tom? <laughs> it's not like the I CIA can... has a car that has the like, <laughs> yeah. CIA on the side, right? Man in a suit ran into a car after the president was shot. The CIA was there. <laughs> they, <laughs> it's um... a suit that says CIA on it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was from CAA. That was. The... <laughs> Um, there's a, in my neighborhood, the procedural show FBI is filming in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So I'll walk by yeah. a building and it'll just say FBI costumes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is how they go undercover. <laughs> I also, I love that they're shooting that. And it's like, we're, it's, it's getting pretty dangerous in, uh, in New York these days. Uh, as, uh, we've explained to the body, I got punched in the head randomly. A lot of kooky stuff is happening. So imagine... <laughs> You're stressed out. Yeah, some some terrible crime has just happened to you, and you see a glimpse a glimpse of hope, which is an, a man in an FBI outfit. <laughs> you say, "Sir, sir, please." And he goes, "Excuse me, I'm an actor. That's got a really." It's just one of the Baldwin brothers, and you're like, "God damn it!" <laughs> but I'll help you. <laughs> you need some cash. Um, uh, yeah, speaking speaking funny. of random crimes, in Meatloaf's autobiography, he describes a time where a mugger pulled a gun on him and he was so stressed, he said, I don't have time for this and walked away. <laughs> Do we believe this happened? <laughs> I'll tell you the answer. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that happened. I think that's. I, I hope that happened for his. Sake. That's a good. <laughs> I, I hope it. I hope it does too. But I. Uh, I I'm not. I, I I'm reading that book so I can hear what Meatloaf thinks his life is more than what it actually was. <laughs> I I have a little pet theory, and that's that that mugger was Lee Harvey Oswald. And when, when, when Meatloaf walked away, he set his eyes on a bigger target. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why he's trying to solve it. He feels guilty. No, I have a. I think that it might be Meatloaf that did it, and I think he shot him. I think he shot at him three times and only hit him twice, <laughs> and then he said. Two Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Dang! Yes! Wow! Gotta That's well done. Are, uh, yeah, where how, where do you guys land on Meatloaf? Uh, I Be never honest. really got into Meatloaf. I find oh, that his break, songs Tom, are too snob. theatrical for me. <laughs> it's not that I felt stupid for not liking him. All my friends liked him. They would sing along to his many songs. I remember the song... Um, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that from my, I think it was a Dr. Pepper commercial. Yes. And mm. I always hated the song because I didn't like that they didn't specify what that was. And, uh, and also, you know, I do anything for love, but I won't do that. You won't do anything for love. It just bothered me mathematically as a child. So I immediately, I was turned off by the man. And I also hate meatloaf personally. 
I think I said that on the Patreon too. It usually has sneak. It's called meatloaf, but they throw onions in there. It's not called onion and meatloaf, but they wow. they find they find it appropriate to throw that in nonetheless, and uh, it really rubs me the wrong way. First time I had it, uh, I was disgusted, and uh, that taste. It took me till now to realize you were talking about the food. <laughs> I thought onions were a metaphor for other people in the band, and I was trying to catch up. Where I was like, it's not just meatloaf singing. Ketchup. That's my problem with it. Ketchup. They call it meatloaf, meatloaf, but there's other people there. And I was, like I was trying, like I was trying to nod along, and then I was like, wait, he's just talking about the food. Meatloaf. Yeah, I thought it was a powerful solo artist, and he was doing everything. And then I show up, there's these onions and pickles in the mix. That's what I call other bandmates. No. No, I just, I, I really hate the food, Meatloaf. So I, when I think of the artist, the food, it's a sensory thing where the taste is put into my mouth once again, and I do not enjoy that. So that, that's my background on Meatloaf. Tommy, what do you think? Totally. Um, whenever I hear a Meatloaf song, for the most part, I get really into it and wonder why I never listened to Meatloaf. Because okay, I love like theatrical stuff like that. You know, I love musical soundtracks and I love rock operas. So it's like when I listen to Meatloaf, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the kind of stuff I like. But I never had like the phase where I really listened to it a lot. Yeah, you should definitely. I I think Tommy, you would really love listening to that first album, just Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, I think you would genuinely, top to bottom, would really enjoy that. I should. Uh, I'm also not a huge fan of, of uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Um, but for different reasons. I'm. I think it's. I think it's fun that you don't know what that is. I think that that is like a, a fun device. Mm-hmm. But bringing it back to the man himself's autobiography, he of course addresses that, and he <laughs> implies that they were trying to be very clear with what that was. He. <laughs> he and it, like I'm like that. That can't be true, right? <laughs> like it's like you. He, he says something vague, and maybe maybe it was a joke. Maybe I misread it, but he says something along the lines of like, uh, you know, we wrote it, and the guy, the guy that that really did the writing, Jim Steinman. Uh, there, there's like Meatloaf who performs it. The he's the Art Garfunkel, and then there's the Paul Simon who really did all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, that's not totally fair, especially when I'm trying to defend the man. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he says, like, uh, yeah, th- we thought it was going to be totally obvious. And then nobody got it. And doesn't specify what it was. Even then doesn't. Uh, that's infuriating. That's infuriating. <laughs> that makes me so mad. I thought you were about to tell us yeah. what it was. No. My guess, because in high school, when I was super into Meatloaf, and I assumed the world loved him as much as I did, uh, I... Uh, I focus on that and I, I tried to like comb through the lyrics and I, I think it was something like, um, like I, I won't cheat on somebody to get uh, love. I see. Mm. I, I okay. think that would be one way to interpret it, but this was like a 16 year old waxing poetic about Milo. So <laughs> I wouldn't trust him. Um, I wanted to say earlier, and it's the time is way too past now. But you said that he set himself on fire at a at his own wedding. And, uh, <laughs> talk about a nothing worse than the smell of a burnt meatloaf, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to I'm doing a thing where I'm trying to get ahead of the meatloaf jokes because I'm already furious by how many we've been <laughs> been submitted to us. So I just. <laughs> I, I, I had a vision of doing none, and then I decided to go the other way. Um, 
nonetheless. <laughs> well, you left that Listen. riff in the oven for about 20 minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good burn. Uh, Ian. <laughs> nice. Wow. Ian. You guys uh, should be professionals. What was, besides this book, uh, what was your intro to Meatloaf? We're talking meatloaf jokes. The first time I remember learning about meatloaf, I remember very distinctly, I was listening to a Muppet album called Kermit Unplugged, where the Muppets were doing covers of famous songs. So I learned a lot of these things, and they would have interludes as if the Muppets were hanging out in some music studio. And uh, there, there was some joke along the lines of, like, they approach a door, and they're like, uh, uh, oh, there's... Oh, this says meatloaf. Like I'm looking for a place to eat. And they're like, no, 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 you should go down the hall to Jimmy Buffett buffet. You know, (laughs) they did it cleaner than that, but it was something like that. And my, my father had to explain to me that meatloaf was actually alive. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your patient father. (laughs) I like to, uh, think that people would talk about Kermit Unplugged the way they talk about Nirvana Unplugged. Like, when we saw that, we knew he was gone already. You know, it was a funeral for Kermit. And, uh... His skin was practically green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that would be good. I am t- I'm tired of the overproduced sound of the Muppets. <laughs> was your dad a big fan of Meatloaf, Ian? Was it yes. Some, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He. He. I. Uh, I don't know about you all. That's so funny. You brought this up. I. I was thinking about different things to to talk about today to make sure I had enough to talk about meatloaf. But um, the are do you guys remember facts that your parents told you that are not quite right but still feel true to you? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I still believe that Bad Out of Hell is the best-selling album of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it did break records at the at the time, but um, I mean that's it's clearly not still the and best-selling album of it, all time, isn't it? I, I was just reading this story about him. Uh, where isn't it true that he sold the most? records in like australia or something like that or it was like the most of an international artist or something like that totally yeah there's it's definitely one of those facts that sound impressive but have so many asterisks you're like what these qualifiers make this mean nothing you know yeah yeah um i definitely the biggest my, artist size wise <laughs> what's that the, the biggest artist size wise <laughs> 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 Uh, should we um, go ahead and hear a song? Yeah, let's start going through this these. Playlist? Uh, it would be great we... if that record was like most artists sold by a man oh, who's shit. been concussed 30 times. <laughs> right? That's the full record. <laughs> uh, all right, let's hear the first. I, did you put these in the order you would like to hear them in, Ian? Um, I the first one here probably is vaguely. Let's do. Uh, let's. Oh, hot patootie! Yes, let's start let's with hot patootie. That's great. Hot patootie. Hot Are we listening to the whole thing, or just like thirty seconds, or just what? like a just like thirty seconds to a minute, or something like that? So if there's a, sp- a specific spot you want, let me know. Um, there is a ten second ad on this, so uh, we got plenty of time to think about it. Is the nice thing. <laughs> oh, Jägermeister is the ad on here. So I skip that to about sense. twenty seconds when you when you get there, because it's okay. a clip from the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Morning, I happen to 
Hot patootie. <clears throat> How familiar are you all with Rocky Horror Picture Show? Zero. I, I have I have an anecdote about that, which is that Ooh, I, nice. I I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. And uh, great anecdote, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> now carry on. <laughs> no, so, so I've never seen that movie. And um I was once doing private room karaoke. And uh, one of the other people in the private room picked a song from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then they go, Tommy, you love Rocky Horror Picture Show. Come sing it with me. And they handed me the other mic. <laughs> I, like, in the moment, didn't have the heart to be like, I've never seen that movie. So I just tried to fake it the whole way <laughs> and sing this song I had never heard oh and didn't God. know. Uh, Do you remember the song or anything about what it? What was, like, the what, what, what would, like, the big one from that be? Um there are a few. There's I'm just a sweet transvestite. There's uh, um, double feature with the lips. Um, science fiction double feature. Oh, the time warp. I bet. I bet Maybe if that warp. sounds right. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was just trying to yeah fake along and like sing like a half second behind him so he didn't oh realize. God, so yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> Can uh can I tell you something somewhat similar happened uh recently or not not that recently we. Uh, last time we did karaoke and, uh, me and Antonia, um, her friend, her friend Molly was, uh, doing karaoke with us. We were doing like just a, at our house or whatever. And, uh, Antonia made Molly do Imogen Heap's hide and seek. She, like, <laughs> she did the same thing. She was like, you love that song. And I don't know if you guys remember that song. It is the yes. least karaoke karaoke. It's very song. depressing. Yeah. Here's well, also just the words she's saying. I'm gonna play a little bit of it just so we can hear it. Like it's one of those where. All you think of is the mm, what you say, yeah. but there's so ninety five percent of the song is just different versions of her saying words that don't rhyme or anything. Just, wait, it was brutal. It was so bad. Anyway, it's but, so um, funny to put that on somebody else. Yeah, tell us about Rocky Horror Picture Show because we are we don't know anything about it. We're new. Wow, this is wild. Um. I cannot overstate how formative Rocky Horror Picture Show was for me. Oh, wow. You Did you not know that about me, Tommy? I, I feel like we might have talked about it before, but since I'd never seen it, I didn't retain it. It's, yeah. it's, one of, it's, it's in that odd space where it's very fun to talk Rocky Horror with somebody else that was a big fan and a little embarrassing to mention it to anybody else. <laughs> uh, so, I, yeah, I, would, I guess it does make sense that it wouldn't have come up between us unless it was in some sort of confessional setting. <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, it's just this crazy mix of, um, the, the weird and the theatrical there's sex in it without being like straight up. It's not, it's not like pornographic, but it almost feels pornographic sometimes. Um, I mean, the plot is that um, Tim Curry, who you find out is an alien that uh, <laughs> enjoys wearing women's clothing. Um, they, so much of this is like partially defined, so I'm not even sure how to, to fully state it. I, I've, he creates a, 
a human just to have sex with. Like the, a person. <laughs> that's the plot of this oh movie. Oh my god! And do they um, do they he, explain how he does that? <laughs> he <laughs> uses meatloaf's brain and puts it into this body. Oh it's all god. like what? Yeah, so much of it. Yes, yes. So much of the movie is like just. Uh, very fun, weird callbacks to kind of like 50s sci-fi and just pumping it with this like 60s, 70s brand of sexploitation or something. And uh, yeah, in the scene you just watched, um, Tim Curry, who's named Dr. Frankenfurter, uh, pulls, he, he reveals this like um, perfect uh, bodybuilder-like guy wearing golden underwear that he just created and is very clear that he's just built it to have sex with. And then um, bursting out of a walk-in fridge connected to the room, Meatloaf comes riding his motorcycle because that's where he put the body after he removed part of his brain. I, I don't think I've ever laid out the plot of Rocky Horror because it's so much easier to have somebody watch it, so I've never really that's realized so how insane that is. I didn't, so yeah. the idea is... Yeah, what? I said I didn't even know Meatloaf was involved at all with Rocky Horror. Yeah, That's I, how little I know about it. I think I it, forgot yeah. about that. I, <clears throat> I think the last time we looked up Meatloaf is when I learned about this, and then I I just, you know, we do this podcast, and then I let all of the information immediately go out of my brain, and that's the way that I sure. learned to live. But, uh, yeah, I forgot he, about that as well. He has that one song, and then as the song starts to wrap up, Tim Curry murders him with an ice pick, <laughs> and then about 20 minutes later serves him for dinner. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Is it supposed uh, to be a joke, like a meatloaf joke? No, because meatloaf wasn't famous enough when that happened. He was, oh, wow. yeah, right. It's not like the this was before Bad Out of That's Hell. That's wild that they happened to yeah. eat a man who whose name just coincidentally mm-hmm. is Meatloaf. Right. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, um. So, like, in that, he's just, like, this cool, very outdated version of a a biker. But I... Meatloaf can genuinely sing. No matter how you feel about him, the man's got a great voice. Mm -hmm. He's got... And for me, this is is a hot take that I'm... Please please label it under um, my, my strong convictions that I don't think are necessarily true, but my preference is... I think he's up there with Freddie Mercury. I like oh, I, wow. I put them head to head in my in my head. Um, if somebody wanted to s- tell me why that was not true, I would have to fold immediately. But <laughs> gut reaction for me, that's where they stand. Hey, I, wow. I've seen I, if that's if it's how you feel in your heart, then there you go. I think totally. I um, <clears throat> we have someone who may disagree with you. Uh, which is a segment that I think we should get to, uh, where we mm-hmm. hear from the owner of the comedy attic in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. And before we do that, I think we should take a quick little break, and we will be right back with more Stand By Your Band. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. We're back, baby, with more Stand By Your Band. <clears throat> we are talking meatloaf. And I just set it up. We're going to hear a voicemail from our dear friend and foe of the show, Jared Thompson, the owner of the Comedy Attic in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, where you can see shows online right now if you don't want to go in person. Go to ComedyAttic.com for more information. But uh, here are Jared's thoughts on Meatloaf. <clears throat> What's up, y'all? This week's he went to Jared. The boys are going to have Ian Abramson on defending Meatloaf. <laughs> First of all, Ian's a great comic and a super cool dude. And uh, unfortunately, we've only ever had him at the Comedy Attic once, and I definitely uh, need to bring you back. So... Uh, as far as me, I don't really have any earth shattering or new, you know, meatloaf takes here. I think that the average person and my opinion probably falls pretty square, which is it's never necessarily musically unpleasant. Um, there are times where you're like, this rocks, you know, like it's there's definitely things about it that are positive. But just like anybody else, you know, I'm going to say that it just drags on for too long and it just it's um it's like if bruce springsteen were like not nearly as talented didn't have a great band around him and the songs were three times as long if that somehow makes sense so you know even bruce springsteen who i really like this if you were to take away his band take away some of his talent and make the songs much longer I think we would have a much different opinion of Bruce Springsteen on our hands, which I guess, by the way, is why Meatloaf has to be defended on this podcast. So, I mean, again, just let's make the songs four minutes. Let's make them a little bit less, you know, indulgent. Um, I, I think Meatloaf thinks he's a lot better than the average person thinks he is. So anyway, and also, Fight Club is o- overrated. All right, thanks. <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> All right. What do you have to say to that there, Ian? Wow. Um, I think that was actually a pretty pretty uh, well-reasoned um, take on meatloaf. I think if you look at anything other than the best parts of meatloaf's discography, it's straight up bad. It's not, it's not like, okay, there, it's a cliff, you know? And when he's on the top of it, it's amazing. There's a beautiful view. And then he steps off of it immediately and he just keeps falling. It's, uh, it, he, he, he's most famous for, for doing the bad out of hell album. He has things in between the bad out of hell series, but what I'll mostly be talking about outside that Rocky horror song, which I think is, is wonderful and such a bizarre intro to him. Bat Bat of the Hell, I think, is is perfect start to finish. Bat of the Hell two, <clears throat> already spotty. Bat of the Hell three is one of the worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> so it's like a reverse yeah. of The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm making you an offer. You're welcome to refuse. Um, <laughs> I wish they had made. Why didn't they make a fourth one of those? They finally got cooking right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! 
Should we go ahead and listen to "Bad Out of Hell," the next song on this playlist? Since uh, you were just uh, saying, I'll say I'll say yeah, this though before you do. Yes, um, he was saying that the the worst part about me love is that the songs are too long. Uh, "Bad Out of Hell" first song on the album "Bad Out of Hell" is ten minutes long. Oh so shit! What uh, what part would you like? <laughs> yeah, let's. I think that's a good idea, and frankly, the only way to do it any kind of uh, service. What uh, part would you like to start at? Um. God, can we? Is it okay to to skip around a little yeah, bit? Yeah, of course. Can we listen to like ten, twenty seconds? Because yeah. it opens on like an incredibly long guitar riff, yeah, and then that. just then skip a few times throughout the song. I think uh, we heard some good stuff out of that song. I think we had a yeah. nice little time hearing it. Um, the fun, the, the intro is almost a joke, where it's like that piano is incredible, and it's building, and it's building, and then the guitar solo starts, and then it's like just... <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's wild. Listening to that, I have never put together how much of a Tommy McNamara vibe Meatloaf does have, and now that you've said it, it really reminds me of what you do. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, the second the vocals kick in, I'm just like, this is 100% my shit. Like, the second yeah. we skip to that yeah, part, I'm totally. just like, I love this, and I think I'm trying to do this, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just, just yeah. immediately coming out at 100. And, like, the full commitment to the emotions behind whatever he's saying, um, that's that's why I feel like I, I think of him with Freddie Mercury, is I can't think of uh, very many people who take that approach of singing as well as you possibly can while also trying to get the drama of it in what you're saying. Um, I That's that's a 10-minute song. It's a 10-minute story. Every song on that album is a different story. They're not connected telling one big opera, but every song is this uh, operatic-level drama story. And 
uh, it goes it goes up and down and has all these um, emotional peaks and valleys and just my god what a what a journey I don't like meatloaf is just like such a ride every single time you just put yourself in there the, the, one of the most interesting things to me um, in his book there's a beautiful song on that album called heaven can wait and he said that uh, and not, none of this is like explicitly in the song but when he sings it he's thinking of himself as um, an old woman who is, who knows that uh, that she is going to die soon, but trying to hold on to spend as much time with her husband as she can. And right. And, and and when you listen to the song, that won't be the images that pop into your head, (laughs) but he just, uh, I, I, I genuinely love that. He, he has that. Yeah. His, I mean, his voice is truly undeniable. It's, it's very strong. I just watched a, um, one of those videos where it's somebody going like, this is me reacting to the first time hearing <laughs> meatloaf or whatever. And it's this kid who's like, he keeps pausing the song. He's like, I love good vocals. I love, I love, I, you know, I love this shit. And it's like, yeah, it is good. I mean, the vocals are good. I couldn't watch the whole video cause it's 10 minutes long, but it's, it was good. Um, I also want to say really quickly, cause I just remembered one of those things that your parents tell you that's just wrong. And then you tell somebody it, and then you look like an idiot. My stepdad told me that the band Rush was named Rush because they were Russian. (laughs) I remember very confidently saying that about them. I was like, I just am not really into the Russian music scene. (laughs) Uh, Boy, did I look the fool. Um, Yeah, it's uh, very stupid. Uh, I read a few things about Meatloaf before uh, this podcast, and it's... I mean, he's certainly taken a tragic turn, as we heard uh, one from your telling of his your description of his albums, but also just in the media. And uh, I read this thing, this story about him going to Australia and um, playing. I think it was a soccer game he was uh, performing for. And I have some pull quotes here. The uh, one being, uh, this is a little blurb on his Wikipedia. Um, about uh the, his performance at the AFL pre he was uh yeah at the AFL pregame in uh Australia I guess that means Australia Football League um the performance was panned as the worst AFL pregame entertainment in the 34 year history of performances preceding VFL and AFL grand finals and a multitude of online reviews by football fans and Australia sport commentators and Meatloaf responded by calling online critics butt smellers and the <laughs> AFL jerks. <laughs> saying, I will go out of my way to tell any artist, do not play for them. The Butt Smellers' comeback is just so cringeworthy on top of such an awful performance. Seriously, for someone who tries so hard to be rock and roll, that has to be one of the lamest comebacks I've ever heard. I watched a lot of this performance, and it is funny to see him getting more and more pissed off as he's playing that people don't seem to be that into him. (laughs) And he keeps going like, he goes, if you guys don't sing along, I'm going to kick some ass. <laughs> he um, is famous for reaching across the table and trying to strangle a journalist for insulting him mid-interview. Oh, my God. This is how David Fincher thought of him for Fight Club, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
<clears throat> you do have to give him credit. I, I agree that movie's overrated, but you have to give him credit. that He plays like this very sensitive, uncomfortable character in that movie, and uh, just not what you'd expect from, from <laughs> yeah. good old Meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. The man has range. It's true. He certainly does. Also, I think like there's just something inherently soft to me about making a 10-minute rock opera song. Like... And then totally. the fact that he's so angry um, <laughs> it shows is so funny to me. And uh, yeah, the man has multitudes uh, to him, and he's uh, an interesting guy for sure. I was also reading an interview where um, somebody was – it's this uh, on theguardian.com uh, where they're talking about how his new album – I don't know when this is from is the problem. It's uh, The title of the article intrigued me. Because it is called uh, The Queen Hates Me. He, and I think that's <laughs> a quote. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think that is a, uh, a quote from him um, in this. But yeah, apparently this is after some later album was doing really well. And it, the quote is, to everyone's surprise except for meatloafs, this is performing well. <laughs> it was like number four on the British charts. <clears throat> anyway. It's just he seems like a very self-satisfied man, certainly. Yeah, I I feel like when you hear him in interviews and everything you're saying about how like he's angry, he's singing uh, these like heavy heavy rock guitar riffs, but then also doing these very he's literally pretending to be a dying woman while singing on stage. <laughs> um, it's it just a. Uh, there's there's a lot of pain in watching Meatloaf, and I I love that weirdly. <clears throat> uh, all right, let's hear another song here. Um, let me. Can I give an explanation before this? Because of I found the worst version of his best song. Of Ooh, course. interesting. I assume. Yeah, you even yes. said, you even said it in, within the email, so I appreciate the the warning. Uh, yes, and the song is paired up <clears throat> by uh, the dashboard light. Correct. Yes. Are you all familiar with this song? Yes. I I don't know that I am. I have to. Uh, I don't think I knew this, but I'm not certain. Uh, anyway, uh, give us a little piece. You could that. argue that uh, I would do anything for love, or I must do that, is his more famous song. But this, I think, is his masterpiece. <clears throat> um, it's always back and forth with it with a female vocalist, and it's this amazing story of two high schoolers trying to to decide if they're going to have sex for the first time, and oh, the I guy, right, he's trying to convince her, and she's giving him the reasons, and is basically like, unless you're willing to commit to me forever, then I'm not going to do this, and it's 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 emotional and um, this wild story. He ends up in the heat of passion, agreeing to do that, and then it flashes forward, and they're together many years later, and they hate each other or something like that. It's this, it's, it has, like, disco in it. It's insane how much happens in this song. Um, But the version I sent you is him performing at some kind of concert the woman in it is dressed like a cheerleader. It might be a sports event. Um, it could be like a state fair or something. But just look. If you go to 346, I think that's a pretty good uh, moment. I was trying to find a good place to start. Um, he is absolutely wearing a wig. <laughs> 
Okay. His voice is totally shot, and I'm pretty sure he's he's uh, under the influence of something. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna play it. Uh, this is 3:43. I got it too. Let's uh, let's. That's do fine. All of a sudden, it slams into disco. So yeah, that's that's meatloaf. <laughs> that is so silly. Yeah, that's that looks like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I think. Um, I, or maybe that's so. I mean, the what what we've said is that if nothing else, the man can sing. Yeah. And at this point, for whatever reason, whatever is going on in his life, his voice is not up to par. Mm-hmm. And I believe he can still sing. But at this point, I don't know if he was drinking, if he had done too many nights on the road, or who knows. But this was, it's, it's bad. <laughs> he does look like a Will Ferrell character uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in that wig. He looks insane. And... Uh, when he says, what is it? He said, I'm going to show you something. And then he it looks like he throws fire. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> you do. Yeah, that's quite a sight. You dig yourself a hole when you write a song that is from the point of view of a 17 year old. Yeah. Because you're just going to keep getting older and uh, keep performing True. it. And it's going to get weirder and weirder and weirder every single time. <laughs> that yeah, is very definitely. Cool. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be weird saying we're only 17. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was a fun performance, and I do appreciate you uh, sharing it with us. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like if you haven't heard that song, listen to it. It's an incredible song. It is, it's, it's so good, and that performance is just unbelievably bad. <laughs> Uh, let's hear. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. This I definitely Great. do know. Oh, do you know? You know this one? I do know this one. Yes. How this, do you know this one? But I'm not so, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. You've so, got a you got a, a seaside hit, and then <laughs> wow, seaside. You know, like a shanty. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> a seaside hit. But yeah. you don't. But you don't know what is absolutely the best song on the album. <laughs> For sailors, the seaside is their A side. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a friend. So I, I had friends in comedy who love meatloaf, uh, especially some Bloomington comedians who, on long drives, they would pull some of this stuff out. And I do remember you took the words right out of my mouth. Let's uh, let's hear. Let's just listen to the first uh, 
45 seconds. When the okay. music kicks in, you can stop. We don't need okay. to hear any of the songs. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> okay, perfect. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again? Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. And does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. I bet you say that to all the boys. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I want to hear your impressions of this. I definitely remember this. Because uh, that I remember being so irritated with how long that intro is and how nonsensical it is. And I hate the picture it's painting. I don't like... I just don't like the wolf with the red roses. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Uh, but then I kind of do like this. It's the opposite of most of the shit. Where I kind of do like the music. It's fun. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, th- I like how it seems like there's a moment where... Uh, it's almost like impatient where it's like, would you offer your throat? Yes. Yes. I offer my throat. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Wolf, red roses. Yes. I get it. God. I get it. <laughs> Where's this damn wolf? <laughs> uh, what are yeah. your feelings about that, Ian? <laughs> I, uh, I have a distinct memory in high school of this album was just playing in the car while we were all going and um, there was a girl in the car that had never heard it before. And that intro played. And when the music started, she said, oh, my God, that was incredible. And I was like, this is a huge red flag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need to not spend more time with this person. <laughs> it's like pretty unsettling, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, what are you drawn to with that? <laughs> I... So I I don't know I just but also like it's just so weird that that's even on this album I I I love the the vibe it feels like two awkward teenagers who are kissing in public yes. you know yeah that's how that that feels and uh, listen power to anybody who can capture something that specific even if it's unintentional <laughs> it felt very theatery kid to me uh, and i yeah there's something about it that really really rubs me the wrong way and then yeah the music is fun but uh yeah it's uh yeah it's it says here the album version of the song contains a spoken intro uh oh the male voice is jim steinman himself ah. how about that the woman is marcia mclean uh, an actress Jim, who Jim Steinman the story the story of Meatloaf is basically if Simon and Garfunkel uh, made this incredible music together and they called the band Garfunkel sure and then Art Garfunkel had an amazing solo career and Paul Simon never did all, had nearly as much wow that's... and then Art Garfunkel helped get Trump elected 
But, <laughs> and who's to say he didn't? Um, I'm curious. I want to. I want to hear his autobiography. You know, it sounds like he's got an interesting story. That's got to be brutal. They've had uh, in the autobiography. He addresses it because um, you know Jim Steinman didn't love that the name at the top of the album was Meatloaf, yeah. and then in small print, it's like uh, you know music and lyrics by Jim Steinman. Sure. I, and he was he was hurt by that, and Meatloaf was like, "I didn't know that that was going to happen. I didn't know when they sent me the record. That's what I saw too." And it's like, "You, the, how is that possible?" Yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's a, it's not so, unlike the know. story uh, between um, Tommy and uh, Keith Rainier, where. <laughs> All of the ideas were Tommy's, but Keith gets all the credit for Nexium. And he took a vow. He said, I promise to give you credit. And I said, all right. <laughs> I wanted him to do like social media branding. That's what I was trying to <laughs> He got it all wrong. <laughs> I said, call it the Nexium. <laughs> Uh, you know what can um can we do life is a lemon and i want my money back instead of objects in the rearview mirror yeah yeah let's do that uh Great. here let me that's gonna, again know. we only have to really hear the beginning <laughs> I, i'm obsessed with these insane ways that they choose to um well also why are all of his titles as long as his songs <laughs> right yeah well, not just life is a lemon the song is life is a lemon and i want my money back the full <laughs> title of the song is objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are choose any two of those words yeah, even just objects they are the yeah <laughs> life is a lemon is enough but right. i kind of do like life is a lemon and i want my money back it feels like a modest mouth in record. the song absolutely <laughs> sure <laughs> he needed to show you the writing before you even got it. Right, the it. song isn't called "We All Float On." Okay, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's hear some of "Life Is a Lemon" and "I Want My Money Back." <laughs> about to say it no oh, i assumed that would be the part where <laughs> lemon in the money he does one more rhyme and then does sure. it because I get it. you know he has to make it as long as possible <laughs> can we get a full minute of me just saying i want my money back <laughs> and i want to give the people that bought this album the experience 
of that feeling by the time the song starts. <laughs> I do want to point out the fir- the first comment on uh on this uh, YouTube video is I found the official song of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and I got to agree because I would like my money back. Um, yeah, that's uh, that was that was very epic, man. <laughs> that's the thing. What's weird is like, like you said, the 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 phrase "life is a lemon" and I want my money back. That's fun. I can appreciate that. Sure. But it, there's just this weird that feels totally artificial. Like like I'm epic and I'm angry and it's like that's not really what you're singing about. <laughs> you are enough, meatloaf. You are enough. Oh man! Fun fact: He got the name Meatloaf because a jeans commercial used his his actual name Marvin, and uh, he hated that the jean commercial was basically making a fat joke about Marvin, and so he. Decided instead to go by meatloaf. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem like sound logic. You know, you'd think uh, he would go for like. I mean, if he wants to go the other way, you'd think he'd go with like, you know, salad with no dressing, <laughs> a celery guy. <laughs> I'll just have a water, <laughs> and I want my money back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you didn't pay anything for it was a it was a water. <laughs> oh man. We uh we should take a quick break before we hear the last song and then uh right. you know the the comments from the peanut gallery. We will be right back with more stand by your band. All right, we're back for the final stretch of this episode of Stand By Your Band. We are talking meatloaf, of course, and we have one song left. Would you prefer to hear in the the last song that you have on here, the monster is loose. The monster or, is loose. Okay, that's what it should be. Let's hear um, the monster is loose. And I'll can I give a piece man. of context? Please, yeah. absolutely. No, I, I, I love it. it. I would prefer. I, just, I prefer it. I feel like it'll un, it'll make more sense if you know going into this. This so Bat of the Hell was released in 1974. Um, Bad Out of Hell 2 was released in the 80s, and then this song is on Bad Out of Hell 3, which was released in 2006. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. This is truly the Godfather 3 of... And it's the only one of these that does not have Jim Steinman involved. In oh, that's never a good sign. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, this is... <laughs> Really, uh, really exciting. And also, the first comment on here is always a delightful break from Meatloaf's signature sound. His style is normal on the track, but the band is a complete different, has a complete style. I disagree entirely. It's a a damn good shake the system deviation. (laughs) Let's hear it (laughs) and see how we feel about that. Is there a specific part we should hear? Uh, I want you to start from the beginning, and I want you to keep in mind that the biggest band at the time was Linkin Park. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And did your parents tell you that, or is that true? (laughs) (laughs) This was I I can't tell you how excited I was for Bad Out of Hell 3 to come out. I was in high school in 2006. I had read his autobiography, and the third was coming out? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I listened to this. I bought this album the first day I could. Listened to this this song and this song only once. And never put that out, that CD in, in my my player ever again. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's a, that's about as good a context as we could have ever <laughs> right, for. Perfect. All right. Let's hear. Uh, let's hear some of uh, this little ditty. I can't. Yeah, I can't do anymore. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, either could nice. I, and I was so excited. I uh, knew to set my. I knew like it's like okay, it's been a long time. I knew. I knew to go in and be easy on the man, but he. That's like, oh my god! I'm so happy you said the Lincoln Park thing going into it because yes. it almost sounds like Chester Bennington in the background at times, like the screaming <laughs> in the beginning. It's so funny. Uh, that is incredible. That it's also, so clear he's trying to copy you read. Style. What's that? Oh the, yeah, the comment that you read right before saying like, uh, you know, the band is different, but his voice is the same. No, it's like that is no. not the same. <laughs> uh, the next comment is one of the best vocalists ever for sure. The concert of this album was the best show I've ever seen. He played easily two and a half hours. Crazy good concert. Uh, God, that's like half Jesus. a song. <laughs> oh, the next one is pretty interesting. Uh, it says, not going to lie to you, he had nothing to do with this album. He was sick at the time. He was part of one and two, but not this one. Just wanted to let you know this. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? He was, like he was out sick that day. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> random guy who isn't saying, like, he doesn't say who did it or like why that's the truth. He's just telling you. That's just the facts. <laughs> There's nothing that we know of this guy. He is an anonymous. His name is Jeff the Potato. I don't. I don't trust you, Jeff. I don't think you have the insider info you claim to have. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really Un- unreal, funny. though. Like it's. There, there's just no, there's no soul to that album. It's just like Lincoln Park is good. Why don't we do that? <laughs> and just and he's like not wrong. the lyrics, yeah, you know, it's just you know, I'm angry. <laughs> I'm angry. I'm lonely. It's like <laughs> I'm angry. I'm horny. <laughs> I'm sick and nothing to do. With this <laughs> Take it, Jeff the Potato. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> that is great. Uh, that was uh, what a playlist. Um, we have a lot of comments to get to. As uh, as always, we we went to Facebook. We've uh, we started going to Twitter as well, and uh, we also have Patreon that I went to. We got a couple comments on the Patreon. I posted a little late. I do apologize, but if you commented on the Patreon, you get your stuff read automatically. So. April M wrote Bad Out of Hell 2 Back into the Hell or Back into Hell, I'm sorry. Was one of my Back favorite albums growing <laughs> What what just happened? Whoa. Oh, this thing <laughs> jumped around on me a little bit. Uh she said it was one of her uh favorite albums growing up. Life is a lemon and I want my money back is still a banger and has these A plus lyrics. There's desperation, there's desperation in the air. <laughs> it leaves a stain on all your clothes and no detergent gets it out. Damn. She's gonna be so pumped that that's one of the songs. <laughs> it is pretty that wild. That is not that's when people talk about Bad Out of Hell too. They only talk about uh, I would do anything for love. Nobody mentions um, a life is a limit, and I want my money back. <laughs> that is, and I, I do, wild. I do like that song. I would listen to that song way more than I would listen to uh, whatever the long title is for the famous Pepsi commercial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a coincidence that uh, that that worked out that way. Uh, Nathan St. Amand writes paradise by the dashboard light was a staple at almost every high school party growing up and has been played to death at almost every wedding I've ever been to. And it still kicks ass. <laughs> Bad out of hell. Why is would also, you play that at a wedding? I don't know. I don't think it's people literally are, about probably, a couple only getting married because the guy <laughs> wanted to have sex. They probably just skip the last verse. I'd, I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, he also says, uh, "Bad out of hell" is also a major underrated jam. His name is Robert Paulson. Uh, nice. There you go. And uh, wait, is this another one from him, or is this about a different one? Oh, I see. Never mind. Uh, also, welcome to all the new subscribers, by the way. Thanks for joining the Patreon. By the way, it's only $3 a day a month. And also, uh, there's a 10% discount. If you do the whole year, that's like $2.70 a month. That's nothing. That's less than $5 a month. Um, <laughs> Check your math. <laughs> I do want to say we're, we, we're getting close to a hundred patrons. We, we're yeah. going to, we're going to think of something special to do if we had a hundred. So, uh, if you're, if you're on the fence, it's three bucks a month or less for the year. So get on there. You yeah. know? And we've done some really fun ones. Lately. We did a, we did a Jimmy eat world follow up with, uh, with, uh, Connor Sullivan this uh this past nice. week. Yeah. really fun um that's great he it knows great. a lot about <laughs> he knows a lot about yes. every band so he's a yes. great guest for uh that. yeah so good any band he fun. knows a lot about he knows everything about exactly and yeah it's a true delight to hear him talk about anything yeah you might be hearing the sound of kevin losing a job <laughs> 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 kevin lovich our normal um <laughs> Our normal guest. I'm Jimmy kidding, Kev. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is right. Um, so we we also Kevin <laughs> got him, got his ass, <laughs> got him. Uh, we also have uh, some comments on Facebook. Tommy, you want to pull up the? Twitter I'll, I'll do I'll do Twitter while you look up Facebook because I got okay, pulled perfect, up already. Um, Josh Cox, uh, past oh. live show guest, said "Bad Out of Hell" was the only CD my very Christian mom had in her car growing up. Singing Paradise by the Dashboard Light with her was the only sex talk I ever got. <laughs> oh my God. He's exactly who I was talking about when I was saying that I used to drive around in Bloomington with a guy who I uh, loved. It was him and Jonas Schroet would, uh, would play me different meatloaf shit that I never really got into personally, but I heard that. that we get it, Tom. Intro. How many times do you have to tell us <laughs> that 
you don't like the song I came hey, on your show to talk hey, about. Hey, maybe I love it now. <laughs> only <laughs> only the next few minutes will tell. Um, uh, I got, got yeah. a few more. Uh, my buddy Brendan McLaughlin said, grew up listening to Vat Out of Hell because of my dad. Love all things meatloaf, vocals, leather, rock opera. Uh, Brandon wrote, he was pretty good in Fight Club. I've never listened to any of his songs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is an interesting one. Um, I, there's, the Twitter username is uh, Pep or Bode Hip Pepper. It says he did some of his female vocalists dirty and is so melodramatic that he needs to be consumed in short bursts. But the highs are really high, really fun to sing along to the hits. And uh, there's a little paragraph about the backup singers. Um, it says, although Ellen Foley is recorded on the album, another singer, Carla DeVito, was used for the music video and live performances. So basically... Uh, the same thing happened to someone else. So he would have someone coming on the album and then they would probably lose out on a lot of money by not getting in the video or anything. So that's interesting. Uh, and Matt Drefke says, I would do anything for love is the best music video of all time. And the best thing Michael Bay has ever directed. So someone has never seen Transformers six. <laughs> and Josh Austin said he was in the saddest ever episode of house, which we'll have to watch at some point. Cause oh, I did not yeah, know he was in the house episode. That. Wow. And the House MD. Part. House MD stands for House Meatloaf Dies, by the way. All right. We got quite a few on Facebook here, so I won't be able to read all these. Get on the Patreon if you want a guarantee of yours being read. Um, Isaac Lanford uh, agrees with Jared here, where he says, Every Meatloaf song I hear, I'm like, hey, this kind of rocks. And then eight minutes later, it's still going, and I want to die. Uh <laughs> Nicholas Matthew Almendares says, I'm pretty sure his song, I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, is about getting pegged. <laughs> Damn. Was that wow. in the book, Ian? <laughs> no wonder he didn't spell it out. <laughs> uh, Dan Man Mendenhall. not comfortable with himself. <laughs> Dan Mendenhall says, Meatloaf is just Springsteen for theater kids. All right. Uh, pretty good. Um Darren Rogers says, never got into him just like I never got into John Cougar Mellencamp, which is a very odd (laughs) (laughs) bunging of people for me. Um, Yeah, a couple meatloaf jokes here, of course. Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, the four favorite things in the world. (laughs) 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 That's great. Uh, Adam Quaslow says kind of the same thing where he, he just wants him to have a song under four minutes. Hell, the only reason his song in Rocky Horror uh, is a reasonable length is because Frankenfurter kills him before he can get another verse. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> That's well great. Good work, Quaslow. Uh, Dewey Lovett says one of the most surprising things I learned about my fiance is that he loves them. We made a driving across the country playlist and he was like, uh, we need desert stuff, mountain stuff, Willie Nelson, Jerry, Jeff Walker, John Prine, and then he also had to have meatloaf. Didn't argue, just had fun. That's meatloaf. I, I get Nelson, that. Nelson, John Prine, um some people talking about his voting um another meatloaf joke oh mara wild says i would do anything for love but i won't do that as a great karaoke song until everyone starts to hate you yep 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 uh more meatloaf jokes that's no good uh brian bejesus 
says, I love Meatloaf's music. He sucks as a human, but he's nothing without Jim Steinman. Jim Steinman wrote all of Meatloaf's hits, which is why he sounds like Bonnie Tyler, Celine Dion, Sisters of Mercy, and Air Supply. Ooh, interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of people talking about Steinman now. Uh, another Meatloaf joke. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> How does nobody scroll up at all? <laughs> now Steinman chimed in with a Meatloaf joke. <laughs> this is getting wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica Michelle writes everyone in the comments took the words right out of my mouth got him um, nice. Tyler Snodgrass says Bad Out of Hell 1 and 2 are great albums eccentric fun from top to bottom a lot of the others are pretty rough though also the story about Jim Steinman seeking legal action to prevent meatloafs from singing all coming back to me is one of the fa- my favorite music gossip stories <laughs> that's great um Let's see. Ron Trimbath says, I'm not ashamed to say that I love Meatloaf, even though he is a shit human being politically. He was my grandma's favorite musician, and we bond over his music until the day she died. The day she passed, I was in South Korea and went to a VFW uh, hall, played Paradise on repeat, and belted the lyrics until I was crying. Happy tears amongst a bunch of 60-year-old dudes paying her tribute. It was a beautiful scene. That is a beautiful scene. Thank you. Um, There's something about him, man. Like there, there's, There's something... Both like upbeat and emotional in this wonderful way. Absolutely. Oh, there's one more here that uh, that I want to read, which is that um, he was in. This is Lars Kaleo, uh, who says he was in my city, Edmonton, when he collapsed on stage in 2016, oh. and then he posts a, a thing from the Washington Post. American. Did you say theory. meatloaf or our economy? <laughs> <laughs> Got us, America. <laughs> Um, he says American it says American rock singer Meatloaf collapsed Thursday night during a concert in Edmonton his condition was not immediately known the 68 year old was singing his Grammy award song uh, hit, I'd do anything for love when he collapsed on stage I mean, that's, but I won't do this <laughs> that is like a perfect theatrical thing to yes. do though like <laughs> yes. I love you so much I will fucking die on stage right now <laughs> Uh, and then some tenacious D comments. People liked that. I think that, uh, I think that covers it, um, for this week. And now it is time for us to, re- to rate and review this playlist. But before we do that, actually, you get a moment to give your final thoughts on Meatloaf, Ian. You have the floor. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to say that you have, Tom made it very clear that you are at best respectfully iffy yet that intro that we all agree is not good has stuck with you about the wolves and the roses so heavily it's, it's gotta be impressive. I remember that way better than I remember any Lincoln park songs. Um, And yet the song that sounds like Lincoln park won't leave my body. I feel gross every time I hear it. And that's something. Tommy, come on. This is basically you, but but taking itself seriously. <laughs> Tommy, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first here. <clears throat> I want to just say really fast to your point about because it stuck with me all this time, it must be mean that it's impressionable. Trauma sticks to your bones for um, <laughs> for sometimes and the rest it of your life. It defines you. <laughs> <laughs> it so, helps shape your life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I like. I will say I do. Once the song picks up after that, 
I I think maybe just as a break from what we've just heard, I do enjoy the song a little bit. But uh, so I have to give him that. I I think you made some really smart and fun choices uh, to give us these songs. I the song Paradise uh, makes me too sad. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. We just talked about it. Uh, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed Life is a Lemon and I want my money back. Uh, oh, wait, no. I, it was The Monster is Loose. I think uh, Linkin Park rules, and I think every band should try to sound like them at some point. In um, I, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would, but I also still don't really love his music. I got to go three out of six on this bad boy. Uh, so that is mine. It's, it's, I, it could have been much lower if you had picked, uh, some of, the, some other songs. You picked, I think you picked, uh, wisely, but that is, yeah, three out of six is what I'm going with. Unfortunately, that's still a better percentage than Meatloaf's overall career. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in honor of the great meatloaf, I'm going to go four out of six because, as he yes, once said, two out of three, out of three ain't bad. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And I am definitely going to listen to Bad Out of Hell. I'm very excited because every yeah every snippet I hear, I always really enjoy. Um, I couldn't, I, I had to take out two because Monster is loose, and uh, that that intro <laughs> chilled me to my bones. So those were the two that I took off. But four out of six, and I uh, was happy happy to hear him. All right, Ian, you also get to rate this out of six. What do you got? Dude, 10 out of six. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Perfect. I, all hits all the time. Hey, five out, of, five out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's like, I, I think about this a lot. When something is considered bad and you love it, you know you really love it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just like, this is truly good or bad. Um, this is just one of the best... This is one of my favorite things because I I know that I'm really loving it and it's not uh, just part of the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. I love that. Anything you want to promote, Ian? Yes. Yeah, I came up with an album in 2006 called Bad Out of Hell 3. (laughs) (laughs) Tuesdays on Twitch right now. Today's the exception because it's the election. But Tuesdays on Twitch, I'm playing a board game from the 1970s called Ungame. That is uh, group therapy. It's designed to be used in group therapy <laughs> and is certainly bizarre. If you want to tune into that, it's very fun. I'd love to have great. you both on it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'd love that. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, if you haven't already checked out Ian Abramson's Conan appearance, get yes, on it, baby. the best. One of the best. Very, very fun stuff. Uh, Tommy? I can stop you right there. Tommy said the best, and Tommy said one of the best. (laughs) 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 Um, Oh, man. Yeah, I would. uh, Yeah, and uh, we're just a few weeks away from my uh, Christmas uh, EP dropping. I'm very excited for that. So be on the lookout for that. I'll probably post another clip from I'm going back to the studio uh, in two days. So if the country's still kicking, I'll be recording Christmas music. And EP does stand any... for extra P, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I've talked to Tommy in the last month, he's used the phrase going back to the studio. Five times, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, I don't know if I have anything to promote right now, but uh, you know what? Check me out on TikTok. I just Ooh. got a TikTok account Great. to post stand-up clips. But I've been posting <clears> a, a bunch of stand-up, Kesha. and so... Those are on my Instagram and Twitter too. So, uh, you know, Tom Takar, just follow me there and, uh, like my little videos because it 
makes me feel good. And get on the Patreon, like we said, three dollars a month, uh, six or ten if you want to be an extra pissy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate you. All right, thanks so much, Ian. Uh, we love you. You're the best. And uh, Woo, we'll thank see you guys. so much for having me. Of course, we will see you guys next week on the podcast. Keep it crispy. Bye. <laughs>